You're listening to the Things I Think About podcast. I'm your host, Jim Stroud. Who decides the sex of your child? Biology? (laughs) Not anymore, if some people have their way. I'll uh, talk about that right after this. Critical race theory supports the logic that all whites are born racist and oppressors by nature. They are to be viewed as a collective threat to non-white people and beyond redemption. This sentiment is already infecting the American workplace via racial sensitivity and diversity trainings. Despite the obvious controversy, such trainings are being accepted as just and fair and at an alarming pace across corporate America. Racism Reimagined How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is an ebook that I wrote. In it, I do three things. One, I explain the basics of critical race theory. Two, I demonstrate how critical race theory is negatively affecting the American workplace. And three, I hope, I hope, I inspire a resistance to critical race theory being taught in the workplace. In light of the increased sensitivity to recent events like the George Floyd protests, the emergence of cancel culture, and the pressures on corporations to adhere to political correctness, the information in my ebook, Racism Reimagined, How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace, is a counterbalance that should be carefully considered prior to new investments in diversity training. Racism Reimagined, How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is a free resource that can be downloaded and, by all means, shared with those in your network. A download link is available in the podcast description. Who decides the sex of your child? (laughs) Wow. Did you know that there is a growing movement to give the choice of personal gender to children without input or prior consent from their parents? Check out these uh, two quotes. The first quote is from the blog, uh, The American Mind. A few minutes later, the doctor slinked out and waved goodbye without a word. On the way to the car, the boy told me what happened. She talked to me about drugs and alcohol, and she told me when I have sex to use a condom. And finally, the kicker. Then she asked me if I was comfortable with my gender. He thought the gender question was absurd and funny, but he was outraged about the condom question. Mom! She told me to use birth control until I'm 25. I'd be committing a mortal sin. He's so good, I don't deserve him. I got angrier and angrier as we drove home. Here was this doctor my son had seen in person a total of five times in his life, probing his most intimate secrets. Does the white coat magically melt away kids' stranger danger and cause them to open up? to middle-aged harridans holding clipboards? Guys, they really do want to separate you from your children and dictate their own agenda to them. It's not just theoretical anymore. This time is personal. I realized too late that I don't know anything about our doctor. I don't know her beliefs or her politics because it never occurred to me that a pediatrician visit would become political. 
Are you comfortable with doctors impressing their politics and ideas of gender reassignment on your 10-year-old son? If so, then this next quote will not disturb you either. It's from the National Pulse's article, Biden's HHS pick advocates sex changes for kids. Most alarmingly, Dr. Levine has advocated for sex changes for prepubertal people, otherwise known as children. A professor of pediatrics and psychiatry at the Penn State College of Medicine, Levine has given lectures in various settings since at least 2012 on how to perform sex changes and gender conversion therapy on children. According to Levine, children ought to be given the latitude to choose their own gender. Levine has advised adults to try not to force them one way or the other and instead to follow the child's lead. Call me old-fashioned if you want, but I find this very concerning. In my view, gender reassignment surgery is an adult decision and not something a child should be making. Why? As they mature, they might regret their decision. Check out this quote from the Daily Mail. Hundreds of transgender people who have transitioned want to undo their surgery. A campaigner who decided to stop identifying as male has revealed. Charlie Evans, 28, from Newcastle, was born female but identified as male for almost 10 years before deciding to identify as a woman again. Hundreds of people have contacted her, including 30 in Newcastle alone, asking for guidance around detransitioning the process of becoming the gender they were born. After she went public with her decision last year, she told Sky News, I'm in communication with 19 and 20 year olds who have had full gender reassignment surgery who wish they hadn't, and their dysphoria hasn't been relieved. They don't feel better for it, Ms. Evans said. Medical ethicists tend to be against gender reassignment for children as well. Listen to this quote from the New York Times. Risky procedures like gender transformation require a greater depth of informed consent. Some pediatric ethicists argue that Based on our understanding of adolescent brain development, adolescents should never be asked to make independent decisions about life-altering medical treatments, such as refusal of life-sustaining treatment or participation in risky research. General medical ethical principles for children and adolescents emphasize that the capacity for decision-making increases at different rates with age, experience, cognitive development, and emotional development. Ethicists often counsel that pediatricians and families should avoid making choices for children that they will be able to make for themselves as adults. What makes this issue so incendiary, I think, is that in many cases, not all, 
The very thought of children considering gender reassignment is not even their own mind. Indeed, some children have been victims to indoctrination efforts where some adult tells the child constantly that they are transgender until the child accepts it as truth and parrots the sentiments back to that adult. I managed to find an example of this on YouTube. Listen to this. This video was actually taken off of YouTube a little while ago. Um, this is a video from Ariel Scarcella's YouTube account. I like Ariel. I don't think she had any ill intentions with this video. And I think that it turned out a way that she didn't expect, which is why she took it down. It's an interview with the world's youngest transgender boy who just happens to have a transgender mom or dad. I don't know what the correct label they want is. Let's just watch. So you are a transgender boy, you know what that means? So you were born a girl, but you feel like a boy, right? That means, that kind of means you're transgender, okay? And that's okay, but that's, that's just what, that's just the term for it. So notice how this video opens up with the interviewer telling the kid that they're trans, not asking the kid how they feel. And right off the bat, the parent is feeding this kid lines saying, so you're transgender, right? So you feel like a boy, right? So that's okay, right? I'm really put off by how forced this all feels. If this kid really has the feelings that you guys are declaring that they have, they should be able to articulate it without your help. Do you like doing quiet girly activities or do you like being, do you like jumping around and being crazy and tackling everybody? Boy activity. I'll take tomboy for 5,000. You know, this really doesn't mean anything. I ended up being trans, but as a kid, I enjoyed tons of boy activities. I played Power Rangers all the time. I was rowdy and rambunctious and all the things that they are using as reasons to say their kid is trans. And in my opinion, the way that question was even asked to the child in this video was very leading and slightly manipulative. It was basically like, do you enjoy quiet girl activities or fun boy activities? It's just coming across as so trained and so forced that it's blowing my mind. When I was researching this, um, how some people convince their kids that they are transgender, <laughs> it's a thing. I stumbled across a very fascinating article from the Daily Signal called, this is the headline, I'm a pediatrician, how transgender ideology has infiltrated my field and produced large-scale child abuse. That's the headline of the article. <laughs> the author uh, starts off this long, insightful piece like this. Transgender politics has taken Americans by surprise and caught some lawmakers off guard. Just a few short years ago, not many could have imagined a high-profile showdown over transgender men and women's access to single-sex bathrooms in North Carolina. But transgender ideology is not just infecting our laws. It is intruding into the lives of the most innocent among us, children, and with the apparent growing support of the professional medical community. In the article, the author dropped several truth bombs, as, as someone I know would say, uh, that I had never heard before. Um, this was just some of them. Pediatric gender clinics are considered elite centers for affirming children who are distressed by their biological sex. This distressful condition, once dubbed gender identity disorder, was renamed gender dysphoria in 2013. 
In 2014, there were 24 of these gender clinics clustered chiefly along the East Coast and in California. One year later, there were 40 across the nation. With 215 pediatric residency programs now training future pediatricians in a transition-affirming protocol and treating gender dysphoric children accordingly, gender clinics are bound to proliferate further. The author then makes several bold statements supported by medical research studies that I would encourage you to read further. The points that the author makes are very intriguing, to say the least. Here are the eight points. One, twin studies prove no one is born trapped in the body of the wrong sex. Point number two, gender identity is malleable, especially in young children. Three, puberty blockers for gender dysphoria have not been proven safe. Four, there are no cases in the scientific literature of gender dysphoric children discontinuing blockers. Five, cross-sex hormones associated with are excuse me cross-sex hormones are associated with dangerous health risks. Six, neuroscience shows that adolescents lack the adult capacity needed for risk assessment. Seven, there is no proof that affirmation prevents suicide in children. Eight, transition affirming protocol has not solved the problem of transgender suicide. The author concludes with, bottom line, transition-affirming protocol is child abuse. Wow. Now, some states recognize the risk and have made steps to criminalize sex change operations for minors. Kansas made steps to do that very thing earlier this month, and at least uh, six states were already leaning that way last year. I'll provide links to all of this. So check the podcast description in case you're curious. Without a doubt, the debate will rage on with some arguing it's okay for children to undergo sex change operations. And others will no doubt argue that it's not okay. If you ask me, no one under 21 should be making that decision. That's my opinion. And I'm sticking to it. What do you think? You have been listening to the Things I Think About podcast. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. Drop me an email. I can be reached at Jim Stroud. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D at jimstroud.com. So until next time, bye-bye.